Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Cine-ish right here on TBR Media's network. My name is Jared, your host for the day, and we've got a whole lot of news to discuss, as well as Ren will be joining me later in the podcast to review The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and uh, we can't wait to talk about all of that and break it down. We've got some Warner Brothers news, we've got some Marvel news, and we've got some gaming news that is front and center in the news cycle this week. So if that sounds good to you, stay tuned for all of that. But first, let's get into the box office. Pre-Thanksgiving weekend, we'll see the welcome release of four major studio films as the holiday corridor begins to ramp up with a variety of content. Obviously, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes is set to open between 42 to 55 million. Uh, And so that's the big, big release this week. But we also have Trolls 3. Um, Trolls Band Together that is looking at an opening range of 25 to 33 million. We also have Thanksgiving, Eli Roth's new uh, Thanksgiving-themed horror film. And we have Next Goal Wins, which is looking from Disney and Searchlight, looking at about a three to seven million dollar opening weekend range. So all of that sounds uh, honestly fabulous. We'll have to see where the Marvels inevitably stacks up in this lineup. But Nonetheless, it's clear that Songbirds and Snakes will have the biggest audience, bar none. And now for the latest in the news. Uh, First, this is an exclusive from Deadline. Deadline hears that filmmaker Destin Daniel Cretton has decided to step away as director of Marvel Studios' Avengers Kang Dynasty to focus on other Marvel projects. Um, Deadline says this is an amicable exit as Cretton remains fully involved in the Marvel Studios family. In fact, Cretton is in talks with Marvel Studios about directing future movies, including Shang-Chi 2. Cretton is currently busy on Marvel Studios and Disney's series Wonder Man, which he co-created with Andrew Guest, who serves as the primary showrunner. Cretton uh, EPs the series and also directed the first two episodes. The filmmaker is also currently working on the sequel to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The movie is the highest grossing AAPI superhero movie ever and also owns the record opening over the four-day Labor Day holiday weekend with $94.6 million statewide. Last week, filmmakers, critics, and movie fans showed a rare and completely united front in the move by Warner Brothers to basically put the John Cena starring Coyote vs. Acme in the vault. And this is a movie which blends CG Wiley Coyote with the live-action John Cena and more. And after the outcry, Puck has brought the world uh, news that executives are reportedly changing their minds and allowing the movie's producers to shop it elsewhere. The project was greenlit at the end of 2020 and shot in 2022, originally planned for the streaming service then called HBO Max, but a cinematic release date was later announced for July of this year, yet it was quietly removed from the schedule and replaced by Barbie. No trailer for the film, which reportedly tested well, was ever released. 
Now, as Puck has it, Warner's film chiefs Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi, along with the new animation head, are changing course following both the social media outcry and meetings with representatives of the director and stars. Though the studio had initially planned to pay all involved a streaming fee as the film had hit Warner's streaming service Max, the plan is now to allow them to find a new home for the film. Deadline also has reports of the Legend of Zelda live-action pick being in the works at Sony Entertainment with Wes Ball directing and Nintendo co-financing. The Maze Runner franchise and Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes filmmaker Wes Ball is set to direct. Derek Connolly, who penned Jurassic World, is also penning this adaptation. The video game created by the Japanese game designers launched in 1986, and it follows elf-like warrior Link and elegant Princess Zelda as they fight to save the magical land uh, and an evil warlord turned demon king. Nintendo saw huge successes with the spring uh, release of the Super Mario Bros. movie, an animated feature take of the video game franchise, it currently ranks as the second highest grossing pick of the year with $1.36 billion. More than 50% of Zelda will be funded by Nintendo, according to Sony, and Sony will be releasing this theatrically worldwide. And lastly, in some more superhero news, we also have Pedro Pascal being eyed to play Reed Richards in the Marvel Studios' Fantastic Four. This is something that the trades have caught wind of, but after months of speculation over who might play Reed Richards, aka Mr. Fantastic, and Marvel Studios' Fantastic Four, the wait may finally be over. While a deal is far from done, sources tell Deadline that three-time Emmy nominee Pedro Pascal is in talks to play the leader of the iconic superhero team. Insiders add that scheduling is still being worked out, but multiple sources close to the negotiations are saying it's headed in the right direction for Pascal to do this, and his future projects are still in the balance. Pascal has a full dance card that includes Gladiator 2, which is expected to go into production before the end of the year, as well as his super popular HBO series, The Last of Us, which is expected to shoot next year, as well as Zack Krager's weapons. Marvel had no comment on this, as for the other members of the team, that can now be worked out as it was essential to figure out who would be playing Richards before they could go on with the offers to the others. The hope would be to shoot early next year, so expect this cast to fill out quickly with director Matt, Matt Shackman currently in pre-production at Pinewood Studios in England. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige will ultimately produce. On our YouTube channel, we live stream Cine-ish episodes so that we can interact with you, the viewer, as we make our show. You'll also find video essays, reviews, and trailer reactions for all your favorite properties. We offer different perks exclusively to our YouTube members. Whether you're looking to join the TBR Cinema Club Discord server, gain custom member badges and emotes, get early access to our videos, and exclusive member-only content, or get producer credits on our videos and podcasts. There's something for everyone on our YouTube membership. To find us, simply search at The Borough Media on YouTube or type in TBR Media in your search bar. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a like and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications when we upload or go live. TBR Media is your movie refuge. Welcome to our review for The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. I have Ren joining me. I am here with a snake. 
Yes, I think um, <laughs> I think it's me. Uh, I think that going forward, you're going to try and hit most of these reviews with me, I think. Um, we're just going to chat about it for like 20 minutes, non-spoiler. So don't worry about that. We're not going to spoil anything from the movie. I want to. Yeah. Don't I think mean, I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that you love a good spoiler review. We'll save that for close-up episodes in the future. Um, we'll save spoiler reviews for when we start doing those again, probably in the new year. Um, and, but for right now, we're just going to talk about the hunger games. So overall, how did you feel about it before we dive into the plot and then discuss things further overall feelings, overall feelings. One, I was excited because I'm not going to lie. Beautiful casting, hot casting. Everybody's pretty. And you know, when everyone's pretty and you're like, I'm ready to see this movie. Well, that's kind of how I felt walking into it. I just, I wanted to see it. Um, I also was a Hunger Games girly for a long time, though the problematic take of my Hunger Games experience is I've actually never read the books and I've never finished the movies because I have commitment issues and I can't commit to things. So I just finished New Girl this past year um, and it's been done for a couple of years. So if you know me, that's kind of like how I feel about things. I don't like finishing things. It's a problem for me. Um, but I really liked it. I thought it was a good time. Um, I was excited to see it overall. And I think everyone's pretty. And then we sat next to people that were really cool. And they got it. The people next to us, they just got it. They got it like I got it. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely did. Um, so The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, basically revolves around Corio Snow. So we get a little background on Snow and where he comes from. Boo. Basically, in the 10th annual Hunger Games, he has to try and mentor someone from District 12, which ultimately ends up being Lucy Gray, who is played by Rachel, Rachel Zegler. I don't know why I'm struggling with her name today, but I am. Every time I go to say Rachel, I just fuck it up. Rachel. Um, Rachel. Uh, so ultimately, you know, you're doing like this kind of prequel story, and these can sometimes be honestly dreadful to watch um just because like especially like if you're done with the franchise at that point it's just like why do i even care there's been enough time in between mocking jay part two and you know the ballad of songbirds and snakes where i feel like i wanted to kind of go back in and explore that franchise and that world again as someone who has read all of the books but this one um i was really excited to kind of get back in there and see how things have evolved over time and so ultimately, like, it is a prequel story. You do get a lot of background on, you know, a lot of pre-exposition, setting characters up and setting situations up and kind of seeing where the seeds were planted for the Hunger Games that we get, um, you know, with, uh, with, um, Katniss. With Katniss Everdeen, with Jennifer Lawrence. I was, it wasn't Katniss that I was struggling with. I was trying to remember Jennifer's last name. Josh Josh Hutchinson, (laughs) Liam Hemsworth when he cheated on Miley Cyrus. Yeah. So like, (laughs) so you get all of that and it's, it's honestly kind of beautiful in that way. I think it was, um, I think it was a welcome addition to the the whole franchise, the whole film franchise as a whole. Right now, it's sitting at a 64% with 112 reviews on the tomato meter. The audience score has not updated at the time of recording this, mostly because, you know, Rotten Tomatoes verifies tickets. Uh, so you can't post an audience review without you actually 
seeing the movie because a lot of people were spamming at the time that Captain Marvel released. So that's what sparked that was because they were just getting a whole lot of people who hadn't even seen it and were like, this movie's so woke. It's the woke agenda before woke became like a like a term that we just throw around. And so uh, at least I think it was Captain Marvel that, that did this. Um, so we have no audience score. But overall, I would say the critics are mostly on par. I may like it. Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate, right? So they're they're just saying that 64% of the people, of the critics that saw this, are favorable towards the movie. It's not like an, like a median score or anything. Yeah, it's not like a... I had to learn that one the hard way. It's not like a grade scoring. Um, when I tell you, I am going to say a lot of problematic things here, but you got to stick with me, and you got to believe that I'm saying these with good intent in my heart. I did not like Rachel Ziegler. She be pissing me off. You've seen West Side Story? Did you see it? Because I saw it, and I almost walked out of the goddamn theater. And I will say that she has had a nightmare like PR situation Snow with the White. Snow White, <laughs> uh, and they need to fix that immediately. However, you know, it's a minor problem when we have other things that are occurring with actors like, you know, domestic violence and like all of that, not to name people, but, you know. <coughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, she really isn't that problematic as a whole, but like, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what she's able to do in the new roles that she takes. I'm excited for her to, I think, dip outside of the IP or the well-recognized like like properties, though, because everyone knows West Side Story. Everyone knows Snow White. Everyone in our generation especially knows The Hunger Games. So it's like I'm excited to see her do something a little bit more avant-garde, a little bit more spicy, a little bit more dramatized, you know? Um, but ultimately, I think she does have a star quality. And so that's what she brings to this film. But the cast is rounded out beautifully with like the likes of Hunter Schaefer, with the likes of Viola Davis and Peter Dinklage. Um, and then Tom Blythe, of course, uh, as Snow. So That's why Tigers looked so familiar. Yeah. yeah. You know, Tom Blythe, what's the guy <laughs> that plays the guy in Wednesday? I don't know his name. But th they look so similar and like different like clips and it really was like haunting my brain it was haunting my brain no i checked he's not the same guy okay <laughs> because it really <laughs> no i checked um it was just weird uh and there was all that controversy with that guy so if they do need a new person for wednesday i think you give tom blythe a call because he's basically the other guy like they're the same brand do you see that photo yeah. they're basically the same brand of each other now let me tell you rachel ziggler she said, oh, you want a songbird? Okay, queen. Okay, queen. Oh, and she has this really cool accent through the entire thing. See, that's I, I saw a lot of people get mad at the southern draw that she has because they thought the at least the people that I had watched were like, it, it is so overblown and it feels so out of place. But, I, you know, watching it, I was like, no, it's not. I mean, it's it, it's certainly there and it certainly exists, but it's not like she's not overplaying it by any means. Yeah. It really it really plays into her character and the way that she talks and the way that she's very much in the way that she sings and the mannerism and the lifestyle that she has. All of it makes a lot of sense, you know? It's giving that. Um, I just saw a quote the other day um, for the Hunger Games girlies. And, um, oh my goodness, what was it? It was, Katniss was a fighter forced to be a performer 
and um, what's her name? I literally can't remember. Lucy. Oh, Lucy Gray. Yeah. I don't know. I only could remember the Baird part. Um, Anyways, Lucy was a performer forced to be a fighter. And I was like, wow, what a nice way. Oh, there's just so many things that I want to spoil right now. Yeah. I want to spoil so many things, guys. And also, there's a certain amount of things that aren't spoilers if you've read the books. So it's so difficult. Yeah. So I'm going to have to be we, the most vague. Yeah, I will be the most vague I've ever been. And I won't clarify a lot of things. And, you know, if you know, you know, and you pick up on those things because you have the context, you know. But most of this is not going to be anything like just diving into it because I want you all to get that experience in the theaters now that we can comfortably and happily be in the theaters again. I want you all to get the same experience as I did. Now, Jared, let me ask you a question. Are you ready? Yeah, I am ready positive sure on your life yeah of course though this is not specifically about this movie but which one of all the hunger games is your favorite movie oh adding this new one into the equation adding this new one into the equation i would probably still say catching fire okay um i think it was the most cohesive Mm. i it felt like one complete package yeah um and it was just solid so for me that that was my favorite the first book though suzanne collins really did something because i watched the the first movie before i read the books and i went into that book and i was like this is fucking violent dude this is like insanely violent read so many like and i will say like um you know me i i read books i've read probably 60 books this year at this point i am a reader um though jared says sometimes my books aren't real he can talk to me when he's read 10 books in a year that's fair although the books i read are a little bit different they're i'm they're not like i don't i read shit like when i go out of my way like i have a mass effect book over there like i have dune um i read i i've been recently diving into my film theory book um, when I sit down to write, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of get in that headspace yeah. of theorizing and being analytical. So, but I I read a lot. Like I read a lot of news articles specifically. Well, yeah, but I'm reading start, all the time. When you start reading the books, you can start talking to me. I'm whooping your butt in books. Now, you could say the same thing. I can start talking about the news when I start reading the news. I read some of it. I've uh, there are sometimes where I'm Jared's breaking news. I'm the news article for the I day. I mean, yeah, if I'm at work <laughs> okay. and, and I'm in training and I don't have time to sit up and, and read in my breaks. There's been that one time. I don't remember what it was, but there was one thing that you didn't get the notification for, but I did. And you were like, I didn't get that. And I said, it came from this thing. And you're like, I don't follow them. And I was like, I follow all of them unhealthily because I just don't know who to trust. Um, like, remember when I screenshotted that um, where they said this person died and then they had to redact it? Mm hmm. Oh yeah, Daily Mail. Of yeah, course. Uh, how, how somebody we... got fired that day. Uh, no, I doubt it. Uh, they should have been, but I doubt it. I mean, he died like three days later. So like, yeah. So the tip was, I think, something along the lines of hospice care, and they misreported it, and I forget who it was, but um, yeah. No, besides the point. How overall, like, so this movie does a three act structure, um, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything. It it, it is the most strict three-act structure structure that I've seen in probably this year so far. It literally like, feels like a play. I mean, they have title cards. like yeah. So, like, 
the moment you introduce a three act structure and you you know you infuse it with title cards there are hard breaks between the first second and third act and the complaint that i had seen a lot going into this movie was we could have done without the third here and just expanded on the first two overall i agree with that how do you feel about the three acts um, well, one, I believe that th the only three acts that should exist are in place. Um, you know how I feel. So you can shake your head all you want. They can't see you. They don't know anything. <laughs> they don't know what you're doing. I could be murdering you right now. I'm not murdering him right now yet, but I don't like three act structures. I also genuinely, and I mean, genuinely, I really like the pacing of this movie. The first act, really like the pacing of it. The second act, really like the pacing of it. This third act, bro, I felt like I was running to catch up. You ever like, you know when you're on a treadmill and it's and you put the speed up too fast and you can't catch up? That is legitimately how the third act felt. Because at first it felt like it was getting its good pacing and then it lost it. It lost it towards the end and I was just left a little unsatisfied if you will. And I also understand that like from this book, we are kind of from this book, from this movie, whatever, both. It was interpreted more from Snow's point of view. And I would have really, you know me, you know the books I read. I love a multiple point of view. I would have loved to see another point of view, even at the end or something, like a glimpse of what happened, you know, on the other side and what's going on from other people's point of view. I just like seeing that, especially throughout it. Like when we're getting into the first games, just getting a glimpse into other people's point of view, but it's just like our reality is snow's reality. And like, that's not my reality. So I don't know. I would have like, I like feeling like an onlooker where I'm like, Oh, I know what's happening before you know what's happening. Yeah. That can be used. That's a, that's a, storytelling technique that can be used in really specific uh, specific circumstances that really does infuse the story with some fresh perspective. Uh, it's not welcome all of the time, but literally the with the indication of the first title card, that's what I thought they were doing. Same. Um, and I was like, oh, so that'll be a little bit different from the source material. Okay, like, let's see where it goes. They don't do that. Um, and instead, you know, the third act, it dials up the pacing, as you mentioned, to like 10 and the whole movie is paced pretty quick, um, even though it's over two hours. And I would have loved for them to just slow down maybe in the first two acts to really get a sense of Snow and Gray's relationship. Because there is an interesting parallel and dynamic between the two of them that could have been explored more. It just simply could have been explored more. And I wanted to see more. I wanted to see that evolve more because it kind of like... I don't want to say it's baseless and it comes out of nowhere, their affinity for one another, but it almost kind of does. The performances are so good that you miss it yeah. in the writing, but like there's, there's a gap well, somewhere. And the problem is like I, as a avid reader and as a participant in book talk, I've seen the snippets. So I had higher expectations because this book, bro, there is so much lore that they had to work with that like I understand that we're like we're probably all tired of them um splitting everything into two movies and everything but I would have really really enjoyed them splitting just that last act into like another movie or something because I just from the movie lore and from like the the, 
the book lore, sorry, um, from the book lore, there's so much more context that we could have had. And I just feel like you're really missing out if you're only watching the movies and you're not reading the books, which I dislike. That is my least favorite thing about book adaptations is when you're missing all some of the critical lore moments to get you immersed within the fandom when you watch the movie. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, so real quick, standout performance for you, because I'm curious as to if our answers are going to differ, and they almost certainly are. If you had to give one person like the crowning achievement for the best performance in this film, because really what it comes down to ultimately is this is a film that could have been kind of mediocre and bland, but is elevated so much by the actual performances within. And it kind of like, it kind of saves the whole entire thing uh, not that it needed saving necessarily, but it takes it to another level. It takes it one step further. So um, for you, who was the standout performance? Okay, are you asking me from main character, any, side any. character? Someone that when you saw them on screen, you wanted more. You demanded more. Um. Okay, I think you're going to be surprised. Okay. I genuinely actually think you're gonna be like what the heck um hunter schaefer i think she did an incredible is that their pronouns i believe so if it is not she her i'm gonna uh, jared's looking it is yeah. it is she her okay yeah. um i just can't remember i thought i saw something about non-binary she her oh. and they them okay both um so watching their performance was absolutely incredible because though they don't have a lot of screen time every time i saw them it showed such a different perspective of snow it was we got that i got that glimpse of multiple povs that realization in her face of watching this and i think that just that alone added the way that she they interacted, the words that they had, the last thing that she says to him that we see on screen, which is so incredible, guys. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I just, she didn't have the most important role, but she did at the same time. I mean, like, it's just incredible. It's incredible. And I know who you're going to say. And I actually almost said the same person. Yeah. So mine is uh, Casca Highbottom, who's played by Peter Dinklage. I just, like... He has such a fleeting kind of um, a fleeting role in this movie. It doesn't feel like it's it feels like it's pivotal, but in the most subtle way possible. And so, like for me, like he's an actor that I have really come to just love and appreciate ever since Game of Thrones. And so, like I love seeing him in him in different roles to really like expand his breadth of like acting um, because like. I don't know. There's something about him. It's it's that kind of tortured soul that he brings to these characters that he plays that not a lot of people can pull off without it feeling basic or baseless. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do that in literally every role that's kind of been this kind of <laughs> this alcoholic drunk because that's I mean, you've seen the trailers, uh, you know, he has the same kind of character in Game of Thrones here, though, like he's given a little bit more to do in terms of like the actual characterization of how he uh, is different from the books. And so his little twist and spins on the character, I thought were really nice. 
Um, but ultimately, like, let's be honest here. There's also one person that just absolutely obliterates every scene that they're in. And it's Viola Davis. <laughs> okay, cool. We're on the same basis. I also just wanted to say about um, Peter Dinklage, I loved him in Penelope. I was trying to think what the the movie was. I just recently rewatched that. And I was like, you really just like added to the story in the best ways possible. Viola Davis is a powerhouse. She is someone that I think you are she puts so much effort and energy into all the work she does that she demands everyone else to be at a higher quality than they were before because if you don't you're not going it is going to be such a stark contrast and I think that's such an incredible thing having her on this cast is like Viola Davis is exactly that Viola fucking Davis like she is she's that bitch and she demands she demands the stage and she demands the camera. And every time I saw her, I was like, yeah, keep talking to me. I'm like, keep talking to me. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of demented, but I kind of like it. I know. I'm like, whatever you're saying, I'm buying. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I, her presence, by the way, like in a room, like she oh. commands a room. Her as as just a person commands attention. And this character? Yeah. Woof. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, on that, we didn't really talk about thematically what this movie does. Much like the original like franchise and specifically the books, this is a highly militarized industrial complex that we are seeing. Oh, there's some unrest, throw in some breaking news to, to take their attention away from what we're actually doing. And so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of discussion between, um, you know, specifically around Snow, you know, whether university is is right for him or whether the military um, and his civic duty is the right thing for him. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that political undertone to the movie as well as there is in literally every Hunger Games. As but- well as just talking about that, like, I mean, we get to see that class like relation and like really watching what got us to where we met Katniss, which was so interesting for me watching what it used to be. The And like as much as, oh, I can't say this. Mm. Oh, guys, I wanted to say it so bad. It was interesting for me as I am and I will always be a villain apologist. I am. I understand. This is just who I am and this is just what I am. And I will take that. You can say it to me. And I only mean fictional characters. Except when it comes to Miguel. Like then Miguel is a villain and I will not stand for it. That's all I have to say. Anyways, um, again, fictional villains. Let's clarify here. Not real villains. We're talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, FYI. Miguel is a villain. Put in put a F in the chat if you believe. <laughs> Um, but it's so interesting. It really is interesting just watching Snow's devolve because we see what Snow becomes. And it's so interesting watching how he becomes that. And I will say, obviously, we know that like Tom Blyce and Rachel's, Rachel's a hard name today. That's what I'm saying, mate. <laughs> Every time I went to say it, I was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, Rachel Ziegler. We already know their inc- their performance carries this. Their chemistry is kind of unmatched. Their acting skills in this, it's for me, this is like the first thing I've ever seen Tom Blyson. At least it's from- a little corny in the third act from him, but yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a him thing. I think that's what they adaptation. Mean. Yeah. So, but like I haven't seen Tom Blyson anything, but this does make me really, really excited to see him, especially just seeing his skill in acting. 
I really, I really like people like this. I really like people that can portray these types of characters. Overall, guys, listen, it's kind of long, um, a little longer than I would want to sit in a movie for the Hunger Games. But, you know, if you're a Hunger Games stan or you like the lore, it's not going to touch on all the lore that you want. So you'll definitely want to look into some other stuff. But there are a lot of really fun Easter eggs, ties in that really make it like exciting. And you go, oh, my God, I'm so excited about this. And it makes you want to relive that series thing you're like oh now that i've watched this like for me i'm like i want to actually go finish and see all the other stuff that i missed you know and then go get on reddit and fall into a lore hole like i did for five nights of freddy's um which you can ask jared about i watched a nine hour video about five nights of freddy's the game you went in for that movie i used to be a five nights of freddy girly so like i used to i watched all the games except for all the ones that Markiplier didn't play. Regardless, guys, I think you should definitely check out this movie. What's your final rating score vibes of the movie, Jared? Oh, boy. I'm somewhere between... Um, oh man. I'm somewhere between, I think... This is so hard. I think I'm somewhere between a 3 out of 5 or a 3.5 out of 5. Somewhere in that range. If you're just looking... If you take the pacing out of the equation, I'm sitting at a four out of five. Um, if you add the pacing into the equation, I'm at a 3.5. That pacing, that last act really got me off. Really got me off. Yeah. It was, and not in the good way. It was cool to revisit the world again. And so for that, I appreciate it. And all the performances because they're all magnificent. It really, like, yeah. And especially if you, even if you haven't actually watched The Hunger Games yet, um, I'm thinking for younger kids, like that are t younger kids as in like 13, not like younger kids. Stop. Yeah, I would, I would still say that this isn't. Maybe it's just maybe I have blinders on, but I don't think this was as violent as even the first Hunger Games. Maybe they, it was. I don't I think don't they showed the violence the way that they did. And the other ones. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think there are some really um, tasteful cuts that they make mm -hmm. uh, to hide, to mask a lot of what's going on. Um, blood is used very sparingly. Um, and so that's good, I guess. But if you read any of the books, you're going to get gore. Like, it's beyond blood. It's gore. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think if you're, if you have a 13 or 14-year-old, and this is kind of their genre, I think this is a really good intro because, like, Thinking um, that I haven't finished the series, this makes me really like want to go finish and actually read the books again. I've read the first book, so I lied. I'm a liar. I have read the first book. I just didn't read any of the other ones. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what just happened. My brain glitched. So yeah, go check it out in theaters if you want. It's a good time. Glad we can say that again. Let us know in the in the. I guess there will be a poll. I'll put a poll. Um, or like some type of question. Uh, let us know what you thought. Have you read the books? Do you like the movie? Is it a good adaptation? Um, and I definitely we, don't think it's a bad adaptation. No, I don't think it's a bad adaptation. Uh, maybe we'll have a poll, something along the lines of who's the standout performance, just to gauge your opinions. And um, feel free to send in a voice message too in the show notes. So uh, if you do that, if you send in a voice message, we'll feature you on next week's episode um, and discuss whatever you it is. what Whatever you it is. And discuss whatever it is that you bring up. Um, so 
thank you for joining me again week two i know i'm kind of i'm i'm pining to actually just take over the entire podcast so um you know i think you should leave um do whatever you should actually rate the podcast five stars if you want me to take it over and if you don't want me to take it over you should also rate it five stars (laughs) you should just rate it five stars rate us five stars tell us that you like us make sure to check us out everywhere specifically me just me you don't need to check him out i'm on the youtube channel i'm fun there Yeah. So with all that down and out of the way, uh, I think it's time to get into some of the new things that are coming out over the week that you can watch. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back. If you're a fan of all things entertainment, consider checking out our website. You'll find podcasts, movie reviews, opinion articles, and even more content covering all things related to film culture. Our site has been active since 2018, beginning with our mission to amplify independent voices in our very own home state of Nebraska. As months and years passed, it was evident that there were creative communities from all across the world that lacked access to press opportunities for their projects. We wanted to expand coverage for filmmakers on all levels and etch guiding marks on the global indie community. Through your partnership and submissions, we can make this a sustainable reality for thousands of filmmakers. Whether you're looking for an interview opportunity or a review of your latest project, we have you covered. Simply search www.theboroughmedia.com in your web browser and head over to our contact page to sign up for a free TBR Media account. Afterwards, you'll get access to exclusive membership options in our shop for one-time review commissions on short and feature films. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines. We can't wait to build a thriving indie community with you. TBR Media is your movie refuge. And now it's your favorite time of the week. Uh, We tell you what to watch for this week, including November 17th through the 23rd. There's a whole host of things to be excited about. Rustin on Netflix, starring Coleman Domingo. Um, If the name isn't familiar, his achievements surely are. Bayard Rustin, he's the man who organized the 1963 March on Washington and worked directly with Martin Luther King in the mid 20th century. He also happened to be one of the few gay figures in the civil rights movement, a fact that has certainly contributed to how this role has been lost to time. And this will be streaming on Netflix Friday, November 17th. We also have Scott Pilgrim takes off on Netflix. And if you thought that Scott Pilgrim versus the world didn't have enough cartoonish flair, then you're in luck because this lands on streaming on November 17th as well. Over on Hulu, we have Obituary. Uh, It revolves around Elvira, a woman who makes a living writing obituaries at her local newspaper. It's not the most exciting occupation, but it's enough to fill the time and pay the bills. And that will premiere on Tuesday, November 21st. We also have Fargo over on FX. FX consistently strikes gold with its black comedy anthology series Fargo, and season five looks to be no different. As per usual, the series follows a small town tableau with some murders and crime thrown in to spice things up. And season five of Fargo premieres on FX on Wednesday, November 22nd. Over on Prime, you can finally watch Evil Dead Rise. So excited about that. That will be streaming on Thursday, November 23rd. And then the one that we've all been waiting for, Monarch Legacy of the Monsters. It's Godzilla, of course. 
the events kick off in the 1950s when military man Lee Shaw and a group of scientists first come across the presence of monsters in our world. Monarch Legacy of the Monsters premieres Friday, November 17th. Over on Peacock, you have Please Don't Destroy the Treasure of Foggy Mountain on November 17th as well. And that is going to conclude today's episode of Cine-ish. I hope you enjoyed the discussion on The Hunger Games. I hope you enjoyed the news and everything else that we talked about. Uh, it's kind of a whirlwind now that the SAG strike is officially over and the dual strikes have ended. We are going to get a whole lot of news coming out of every single studio. So stay right here on Cine-ish for the latest updates on everything related to entertainment. Uh, make sure to follow the podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. And give us a rating and a review, because it really does go a long way in helping the algorithm. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, go over and check out the YouTube channel at The Borough Media. We have a new video essay coming out here in the next few days revolving around franchise films. And are they dead? Well, you'll have to wait and see what that ultimately is about. But you guessed it, it's about... Marvel, <laughs> ultimately, and some other, you know, sprinkled in franchises like the Fast and Furious franchise and also Mission Impossible. How are they doing at the box office compared to original films like Barbie and Oppenheimer? That sounds interesting to you. Make sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We do a lot of fun video essays over there. And that is going to conclude today's episode of Cine-ish. Thank you, everyone, if you're listening and wherever you are in the multiverse. Take care.